You know, as I said, as we began worship this morning, the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is certainly one of the most comfortable, oh, let's just say perhaps the easiest to pray, okay? And why? Well, because it addresses our needs. I mean, who doesn't, if if I say give me some bread, I am not going to be asking you for better bunny bread, okay? You know, that gooey stuff or a hostess Twinkie, all right? When I say give me bread or give me some dough, I'm asking for what? Money. Well, what does money do? Money doesn't do anything, but money buys us what we need for life or what we want. Give us this day our daily bread. Very comfortable petition. You know, the first three, well, of course, they deal with God, just like the first three commandments deal with God, you know? We have to honor God's name. Uh, We are called to work for His kingdom. And we then also pray that we obey His will. But now, give us this day our daily bread. There's our petition. That's what we like to hear. Let's look at how Dr. Luther, in his wonderful small catechism, teaches us the meaning behind this um, petition. And so that is found on page 324 of the hymnal. For those of you who have not memorized it, okay? (laughs) All right, fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. On the bottom of the left-hand column, you'll see it right there, give us this day our daily bread. Luther basically addresses two questions with this prayer. The first, he says, what does it mean? And then, uh, what is meant by daily bread? So, he's going to look specifically also at what, what what the whole understanding of daily bread means. So, let's first of all answer how he answers the question, what does this mean? Together. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayer, even to all evil people, But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. You know, God's giving daily bread even to people who don't deserve it, evil people. Everyone in the world is what he's saying. But we are to realize this and give thanks. So now he asks the question, what is meant by daily bread? Let's read this together. Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, lands, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. You know, he just could have kept going on. All of these great things, these wonderful things, is meant by daily bread, as Luther said. Makes our lives full and rich, and as Luther points out, that we should receive all of these things thankfully. Which then brings me to, I think, the point that Luther makes, and Jesus certainly teaches us in the gospel readings and throughout the gospels, is that there are three important attitudes when we pray for daily bread. The first is recognition, the second is confidence, and the third is thankfulness, all right? Recognition, confidence, and thankfulness. Now, recognition, that's very simple. We recognize who gives us everything. It's our Heavenly Father who gives us everything. 
In the gospel reading, Jesus said, did you hear that? You know, look at the birds of the air. They're not working for a living in the sense of, you know, uh, they're not sowing fields out there. No, he, he feeds them. Look at the lilies of the field, which are only momentary. They only last for a little while. They don't, they don't have... They don't have clothing, they don't weave, they don't do all that work, but look at how your heavenly Father dresses them. You know, they look beautiful, but I'll tell you what, you are so much more valuable than any lily or any bird of the air. So we recognize, we, we recognize where everything in our life comes from when we say, give us this day our daily bread. You know what? That actually is a confession of faith. Because we know that everything is a gift from God. That is the attitude of recognition. Number two, confidence. Did you catch what Jesus said? He said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Now, if you know the full breadth of Holy Scripture, does God say not to plan for tomorrow? No. Not not at all. Look through the Proverbs. I mean... Paul had to plan his missionary trips. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's important <laughs> that we plan. But he says what? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat or drink. Your father knows before you even ask him what you need. Really? Yeah, he does. He knows what you need. <sighs> Anxiety is the complete opposite of confidence. And it's a disease. You know, once anxiety can take root in lives, I've seen people, listen, who among us here has never had an anxious thought? If you've never had an anxious thought, honestly, you don't need the Lord's Supper. You don't even need His Word. I don't even know if you're living. Anxiety can steal joy can steal our life away from us. Because in its root of anxiety, it says, I'm actually in control, not God. I'm actually the one that has to do everything. I don't even, I don't really, no, we would never, listen, none of us, good Lutherans, we've been raised to the church, you know, you've been raised as, as a, in a Christian faith, uh, Catholic, uh, Episcopal, Baptist, you name it. No Christian would say, I don't have any confidence in God. Would we? Absolutely not. But sometimes we live our lives that way. Subtly. You know, I don't know if I can trust God uh, to, to pull this out. I've got to do it. That's part of anxiety. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've never received a, a check from heaven that paid my bills. I mean, God has never yet paid my mortgage on the house. Whoops. What did I just say? Friends, do you realize that the, bre- the, the very breath that you're breathing right now, the very light that streams into your eyes, the very ears that hear this word, the very ability that you have to work, the very gift that you have to play sports or basketball, golf, to do all that, you know, all of that is what? A gift from our Heavenly Father. Even the gift to plan for the future is from the Heavenly Father. What anxiety does, it immobilizes us. Our world collapses. It becomes a singularity of ourselves against the world. And, and God is, 
you know, well, if all else fails and I can't do anything, gimme, God, gimme. Jesus teaches us to ask boldly. That's asking with confidence. Listen to what he said. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's a rather bold claim, isn't it? Wow. This is confidence when we go to our Father to pray for our daily bread. Our Father knows what we need and that despite and in spite of the obstacles we all face, even when we walk through the valleys of shadows and death, what does the psalmist say? Thou art with me. We know it. He's there with us. That's the confidence that we have. So we recognize who's the giver of all the good gifts. We also then have confidence that no matter where we are, no matter what, our Father is there for us. He hears us. And then the third attitude, thankfulness. Living a life of thanks. Thankfulness. This is why, you know, as good Christian parents, we always uh, teach our children before meals to what? To pray, to give thanks to the Lord for all the blessings He's given to us. We don't just chow down, all right? Sometimes, especially if you have a senior moment in our house, did we pray or not, you know? Uh, But it's important to have that idea and that attitude of prayer. That God, thank you for everything that we have received. Now, this attitude of thankfulness is not grounded in what we own or what we do. You know what it is? It's embedded into the very people we are. That we're children. You know, I hope my children never have to doubt their love. Now, have I been upset with them? (laughs) You better believe it. But do I ever want them to doubt my love? Absolutely not. That no matter what happens, nothing, nothing they could do to sever my love from them. This is our Heavenly Father. And this is Thanksgiving that we can go to Him because, you know, He so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son for us. And in giving us His Son, He's given us everything. Thankfulness then becomes a way of life. Isn't it interesting that the earliest Christian liturgies are called the Eucharist? And Eucharisto means what? Thanksgiving. Just like Jesus did, he took the bread, he took the cup, and he what? Gave thanks. Gave thanks. Now, one thing we always have to be cautious of. We can never underestimate the old Adam, Eve, inside of each one of us. Because that rascal inside of every one of us has a different motivation in life. St. James in his epistle has a very interesting comment when he says this. Listen to what he said. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Well, that's what Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. He says, so you don't have things sometimes because you don't have confidence. You come to the Father and ask Him. But then he goes on. Listen to this. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. It's like the eighth grade boy who never studied for his test and he's praying, oh Jesus, give me an A. 
Now, what kind of prayer is that? I, I'm sorry, I, I can tell you for certain God is not going to answer that prayer, okay? You're trying to do what? It's all about you. Now, we can laugh at the eighth grade boy, but what about us adults? What do we do with that prayer? In his temptations in the wilderness, after 40 days and 40 nights, and I'd be awfully hungry, Satan comes to Jesus and he begins his sort of temptation with a question. If you are the Son of God, Jesus, take these rocks scattered around and turn them into bread. Use your power, Jesus, to meet your needs, to provide for your daily bread. But what does our Lord do? He says something that he quotes Deuteronomy from the very text that I read for you just a few moments ago. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you realize, this is so interesting in the study of the Gospel of Matthew, that the first time bread is used for us is in the temptation of Jesus, in this temptation. The second time it is used is when it's here in the Lord's Prayer. And then it's used again in the feeding of what? The 5,000. And the last time bread is mentioned is in the institution of the Holy Supper. Isn't that interesting? There is more to life, my brothers and sisters, than just simply our physical needs. In a capitalistic society, which we're very blessed with, but we can very easily be seduced to think that the sum of our lives is what we own, what we wear, what we eat, and where we go, what we drive, and how we look. There's a whole lot more. And the seduction of an entire culture to this is seen all around us. What Jesus reminds us when he, in his temptations about bread is that to pray for daily bread is also to pray for the very power of the Word of God in our lives, to remember that it is the Lord Himself who is the bread of life. In John chapter 6, it was the most provocative sermon that Jesus ever preached, and it was in the synagogue. And He stood before them all, and the context was Passover was coming with the Passover bread and the Passover lamb. And Jesus stood and he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven that if you eat of it, you will live forever. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. I am the bread of life. The very treasures of heaven are open to us under the visible elements of bread and wine put on a table before us and then with the Word and the Spirit blessed become the treasury itself of heaven. His body and blood. Whoever eats of this bread, says Jesus, will live forever. That's why, brothers and sisters, we gather this day for our hearts must always hunger, not just for the daily bread of physical life, 
but hunger for the daily bread of spiritual life. Jesus teaches us, give us this day our daily bread, just as He teaches us to pray our Father. So, He's reminding us that when we pray, we're not just praying for my needs in singularity, but for our needs. And this is really a call to action. A call to action. Because in praying for our daily needs, we are also saying, God, use me to help be your hands, to be your offering to meet the needs of others. You know, God provides for us often. He answers prayers. He has answered prayers that I have prayed through others. Do you realize that? And that what we're saying is, God, I want to be available as you have been blessed with me. You know, how many of us are going hungry here? How many of us have to choose clothes out of our closet? I bet almost all of us do here right now. We have more than what we what we ever could really ultimately use. We've been blessed. And what that means, and the Scriptures constantly teach it, is that we are to be a blessing to others. St. James, again, in this epistle that he writes in the New Testament, says, if you see your brother or sister without clothing or going hungry, and you say, God bless you, I'll pray for you, and you don't do anything, you're worse than an unbeliever. You're not praying, give us this day our daily bread. God uses us many times to answer this prayer. I'm going to invite a brother up, John Duggan. He is going to share a wonderful uh, ministry with us. It's Nueva Esperanza, which in uh, Spanish means new hope. He's going to be talking about a ministry that uh, deals with young girls who are caught in, what is it? It's human trafficking, right? Human trafficking. I don't know if you know much about it. He's going to be sharing with us a little about that. It's a despicable thing that's happening. And he was privileged to go down and share. So, John, let me get the mic on for you.